This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7, and we have the full complement. We got the full army. Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell, also from Dogs 24-7, and we've also got a lot to talk about because Georgia's got a new defensive backs coach. Georgia's got a 2021 football schedule, and we're going to break both of those down for you in today's show, and we're not going to waste any time. Rusty, let's get into it. Jamala Die. All right. Out of West Virginia, he's a West Virginia alum. Spent two years there. All sorts of credentials uh, in terms of the, the the his two years at West Virginia. Did a good job at Minnesota. Has been at Arizona. He's been a uh, a uh, running backs coach at Cincinnati. He's about to coach in his I think it's his fifth different conference uh, in, in like the past ten years. Um, what are your thoughts on the hire and kind of what have you heard maybe even before he was hired and, and since he's been hired. Um, I, I think was I we were correct in saying that this was a very attractive job. Obviously, SEC, obviously Georgia players, state of Georgia. You know, recruiting everything you want as a coach is you know one of those. This is one of those positions that you work to get. And Charlton Warren, uh, I think, is a good example of coming here and then getting promoted to a defensive coordinator and going to another staff. So. You know, most of these guys have that footprint. Want to get? They want to get that. They want to take the next step. And Georgia is definitely a place um, that you can, you know, get your resume up. And I, I think, you know, from what I understand, he interviewed two or three times. Uh, multiple staff members interviewed him. You know, he was at the end of the day. Sounds like he was clearly the guy that they felt was the best fit for them. Um, one comment to me was, you know, he was highly recommended by a lot of people. Everybody had been around him, you know, and so I, you know, on paper, you never know, but on paper and everything you see and read and kind of results, you, you, it looks like it's a really great fit for Georgia and what they're looking for. And, uh, you know, being from Florida, I mean, you know, originally from Florida and West Virginia has historically recruited Florida. So, you know, he's got some contacts there. It's going to be an important state, especially with, you know, defensive backs, state of Georgia, state of Florida, they put them out. And so, you know, just initial thoughts was this is, this is a, um, this looks like a really good fit. I think it's a great opportunity for both the University of Georgia and Coach Adai to, um, you know, better, better the product. And um, just be interesting to see, you know, you have to get on the streets and recruit, you know, these schools and state of Georgia and, you know, based off the, uh, the Pete Thamel, uh, tweet yesterday that looks like possibly visits going to open up. So families get to meet him. I know Terry and Arnold got to meet him last night in the Zoom. So heard that went went well as an initial, um, you know, meeting. So, you know, right now what I'm hearing is he, he was really, really good interviews. Everything, all his references, everything, you know, really spoke highly of him. And 
just looks like a really good fit, man. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, kind of always kind of cautious with things like this, but it looks like a really good fit for Georgia. Kip, what's your take on the hire? I think that, you know, in the end, Kirby Smart initially, you know, his first staff when he brought here, you know, came to Georgia. It, a lot of real, you know, alpha recruiters, really strong recruiters. And I think, you know, over the last couple of years is kind of having a lot of his guys go on to promotions. I mean, again, that's a sign of, of success. When you have guys continuing to get promotions to other jobs, whether it's coordinator jobs, whether it's head coaching jobs. But I think, you know, this hire, the, the kind of the one thing that stands out is it's, it's not just about hiring strong recruiters anymore. It's about hiring balanced coaches, having a balanced coaching staff. You want to have guys who can also maximize the, the talent they actually get on campus. And I really think that, you know, that that's what Kirby Smart looked for. And I, I think that's what he got. I mean, you, you kind of look at, at that West Virginia secondary and the fact that they lacked experience coming into this season. And you look at Georgia's secondary, and obviously that is the offseason storyline. Other than, you know, JT Daniels coming back, the offense coming back, I mean, Georgia's – when you look at the this team, this roster, how, how everything's built right now, that secondary is what everyone's going to be watching in the spring just because of them only bringing back one really established starter in, in Lewis Seen, Chris Smith getting up more playing time toward the end there as well. But you, you just look at, at what he did at West Virginia and taking a – you know, a couple guys from Georgia that didn't have much experience in, in Nick Fortune from uh, Central Gwinnett and Dershawn Miller from Sprayberry. I mean, those guys played outstanding this year for them. And, again, you can't overlook them having the number one pass defense in the country because if we're going back and we're, we're grading Georgia's defense or Georgia's team overall last season – the secondary, the pass defense in general kind of stands out as as maybe a unit that underperformed based on what we're probably about to see in the draft. You know, when you look at Tyson Campbell, when you, when you look at Eric Stokes, outstanding talents, both of them have a chance to, you know, late first round, second round picks just based on their athleticism. But as far as how Georgia played in, in that area, it, 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 there was it's an area of improvement. I mean, I think they were what 88th in pass defense. They they weren't they they weren't outstanding as far as uh, opposing offenses pass efficiency as well. So uh, it's an area that Kirby Smart had an opportunity to actually improve upon. And I think as far as what he brings to the table as a coach, uh, you know, you, you have to be impressed with what he's done so far. He's got a tall task in front of him, but it's something that. Even with his, you know, his stop at Minnesota as well, he's got experience working with a, a secondary that lacks experience, and so even with the recruiting ties, Florida, he's recruited the state of Georgia. I, I think just what he's done, you know, in the film room and as far as coaching his group up, you can't really ask for much more as far as a hire for for Kirby Smart. A couple things for me stood out, and and Kip, you hit on one of them. That's the fact that they had no, almost no experience at corner going into last year, yet West Virginia in the Big 12 finished the season as the nation's number one pass defense in terms of yards per game. Um, I'm on record as saying that's not the biggest stat to me. It's it's yards per attempt because, you know, if you're a team that everybody's just running it down your throat and they're not throwing it on you a lot, your pass defense is probably going to look pretty good. Well, you look at yards per attempt, and, and West Virginia was 10th in the country 
So uh, that that's that's you know kind of bordering on elite pass defense. Like I said, especially when you consider it being in the Big Twelve and and the wide open offenses you face out there. So that stood out to me. Also, watching the videos of him talking to media. Now he got to talk to media more so than than most defensive backs coaches would because he was a defensive coordinator in function last year, basically, a co-defensive coordinator. There was some stuff that went down at West Virginia, and Vic Koning um, got got ousted there. And, and then, you know, they had uh, the, the defensive line coach, uh, uh, Linz, uh, I can't remember his – I think it's I'm, – I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. I had it uh, there. But their defensive line coach kind of called the defense on first and second down and coordinated the front seven. Uh, a die – uh, called third down and coordinated uh, the the secondary, and so he had a lot of responsibility on his plate. He spoke to reporters. You could tell w- how he aced the interview process when you watch him because he's really impressive. He, he's just he's to the point. He explains things in ways you can understand him, and those are those are all qualities that that Georgia's secondary is going to need this year. I don't know exactly what new techniques are going to be taught, if any new techniques or anything of that nature. Uh, but but for him, it, it it just makes a lot of sense to go out and get a guy like this. And, and listen, Kirby Smart's hired enough guys at this point, and he's worked with enough guys at this point. He knows what kind of personality it takes to recruit. And he knows when a guy understands how important it is to recruit. And then if you have those two things, and, and you, you have – you know, with the personality comes the ability to relate to guys, and and you look at how he's he's went down, and he got guys from Florida to go to Minnesota, and he got guys from Florida to go to West Virginia, and he recruited the Maryland area, and and he brought a a big time linebacker with him uh, uh, to to West Virginia that he coached, I believe it at Air, he was there with at Arizona, Tony Fields, who had a big season for West Virginia this past year, so you know he he's got a lot of experience. And in terms of recruiting, in terms of coaching, and and not only that, but just he brings a lot of X's and O's to the table, and 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 what Virginia, West Virginia has been able to do the past couple of years with their three three five defense, it's different than what Georgia is. You might expect some wrinkles there that he can kind of bring to the table. Kirby Smart has talked about it in the past about how guys, you know, all of the defensive coaches kind of come together to form the game plan, and I think in just so many different ways in 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 terms of one-on-one coaching in terms of recruiting and in terms of, of what he brings to the defensive staff in terms of idea and game plan. Um, there's a lot to add here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's too early to call it a home run hire because this is not a big splash name per se uh, as far as the public goes. But I can tell you that in, from in the coaching profession, um, this is a well-respected guy who who basically has a year as a co-coordinator under his belt now, and and uh, he'll be able to bring some a lot to Georgia's uh, Georgia's coaching staff, and he'll also bring a lot of special teams experience. He did a really good job at Minnesota as a uh, with with their return game and and things like that. So those ideas will also come with him, and uh, and that's a big one. Uh, Rusty, uh, one more thing I wanted to hit on before we we kind of move on and 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 get to uh, the schedule in the second half. The interest in this coaching job, from my end, I talked to multiple people who told me, "Man, there are coaches asking about this job. There are coaches interested in this job." Did you hear the same thing? Yep, and I think it's really what we talked about in the first um, the, the the first part of this pod is. 
this is a job that you could your resume gets better. You know, people go to Alabama all the time and put Alabama on their resume and it helps them down the line. Well, Georgia's awfully obviously a place like that too. And you know, seeing the path now that Charlton Warren is on and going to be a coordinator. Uh, you know, Mel Tucker was a defensive back coach in Alabama, came to Georgia, was a coordinator, and then, you know, now he's been a head coach twice. So there's paths to take in Georgia. When the Georgia job opened, it, there was there was a ton of people, you know. And I do know some names. Probably won't put out those people in their business. But, um, you know, Jake, you were pretty damn spot on. You know, most of your um, hot boards were really, really good. We talked about those and the names we put on there. Those were names were comfortable. But this was a very attractive job. Don't beat around a bush. The money's there. It's a top five, top six paying job in the country. And, People want to be here. SEC, big time. You know you got athletes. You know you can recruit. Everything's here at Georgia um, as a coach, and there's reasons that people were fighting to get here. Absolutely, and and time will tell. But on the front end, this looks like a perfect fit. It look in terms of a guy that that has experience and has a track record of developing young secondaries, and and Georgia needing that. I wrote about it a week or so ago. How this hire was one of Kirby Smart's biggest because of the fact that that this team is going to have high expectations because of where the offense is. And the, the game is passing-oriented now. And, and passing games are kind of dominating the sport. And Georgia's cornerbacks, mainly cornerback and star position, are kind of bare bones in terms of experience. I think you got one star. That was Latavius Brini. Um, maybe William Poole had one early on at star and, and no starts really at cornerback uh, coming back on this team. So it's it's going to be huge for him to to develop this group in short order to identify maybe a guy in the portal that can help him out and, and get him to come to Georgia. You got Terry and Arnold left on the board in the 2021 class. It's it's huge. And uh, and and, you know, Jamal Adai takes on that challenge and he's going to get a hefty raise in the process. I, I would assume somewhere in the neighborhood of what Charlton Warren made, which is around six hundred thousand dollars. That'll be almost a hundred percent increase in his salary. And uh, um, if it's like any other of the coaches, Kevin Sherr, Tracy Rocker, both in the NFL and, and Rocker was only there for one year and Sherr for two. Um, you got uh, uh, Mel Tucker has had two head coaching gigs since since being Georgia's defensive coordinator. Dan Lanning had to turn down a job at, at Texas and has been mentioned in head coaching gigs. Glenn Schumann's name is being bandied about as a defensive coordinator. Um, uh, Charlton Warren's a defensive coordinator. This has been a springboard. This has been a a chance for a career to take off, so to speak. And and you know crediting uh, our message board for that one. So for for pointing that out. Um, but yeah, this, this is an opportunity for him and it's an opportunity for Georgia and, and it's going to be really exciting to see how it plays out. Let's take a break real quick on the other side. We're going to talk about this 2021 schedule because wow, it, uh, you know, Georgia's had some misfortune in the past in terms of bye weeks before them and, and some tough schedules and some stretches of road games. And this schedule is a little different. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Kip, what were your first thoughts when you saw Georgia's schedule come out yesterday and, 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 and kind of what, what was the, the thing that stood out to you the most? Three things stood out to me. One, you kind of hinted to it. Uh, we, we've had schedules where, what, five, six teams put, uh, had an off week before playing Georgia, and it doesn't happen this year. I mean – Georgia, I mean, the only time where Georgia has the bye week, it, it, you know, the, it's the annual Florida game. Everyone else, you know, that they, they play before they play Georgia. And I just think that, you know, that that kind of stands out. It's, it's kind of uh, I got to be refreshing for Kirby Smart and his coaching staff. I mean, we've we've seen mixed results from a team kind of having a bye week before before they play Georgia. But you can't have that out there, you know, as an excuse now because, again, like I said, Georgia and Florida both have the bye week before they play each other. That's the even slate. Uh, and obviously, it, it does look like the toughest game could be the season opener against Clemson. That's the game everyone's going to be watching. It's going to be huge for, for both programs as far as their college football uh, playoff chances. And, and finally, just four new head coaches. You know, Kirby's moving up there as far as being, you know, the elder statesman in the SEC in that head coaching group. And just having, you know, four new head coaches, three of them getting to host Georgia at home, you know, it, it's it's really interesting just seeing Shane Beamer at South Carolina, Clark Lee at Vanderbilt, Josh Heupel at Tennessee, and Brian Harson at Auburn. It's going to be uh, just very intriguing having those guys, you know, Welcome to the SEC and and uh, playing what could be a top five team in, in Georgia this year. I think I think it bodes really well for Georgia. Obviously, that first game is going to be the the huge test. He's not going to have a problem getting uh, his team ready for that game, and it's going to be a great barometer for for Georgia's chances of, of being a college football playoff contender right off the bat. Yeah, a couple things really stood out to me. Um, one, very insignificant, but I thought it was funny. Georgia has a chance to sew up the South Carolina State Championship in the first three weeks of the season, Clemson in week one, South Carolina in week three. Georgia plays three of its first five games at home. It'll take five games for Georgia to play as many home games in 2021 as it did in 2020. And then uh, also no back-to-back road games, zero. Okay, so Georgia – in the past, there's been this situation where Georgia has spent – you know, a full month at least away from uh, away from uh, uh, Sanford Stadium, provided recruits get to visit this year, that's going to be a boost because that's not going to happen. Georgia plays Kentucky on – the longest break is Kentucky on October 16th. Then they have an open week. They'll still be in, in, in Athens. Uh, whether they'll be hosting guys or not that weekend, I don't know. Probably not. T- players are going to want to go see games. If they're able to go visit, they go to Florida, and then they – come back home to play Missouri. There's not that long stretch 
of games there. And then obviously you pointed out the bye weeks. I think the SEC, uh, I believe I heard on the show yesterday, the SEC really threw everybody a bone. Kentucky's the only two, only team in the in the conference that has more than one team with a bye before them. Everybody else has just one. And Georgia's is shared, and I'm sure that's the case with some other teams. But, you know, you're always – that's one of the first things you look at every time just because those are potential roadblocks. You get a fresh team. You get a team that can, can kind of retool and put together a good game plan. And in 2019, um, that was a big issue for Georgia. South Carolina had the bye before Georgia. Georgia shared the bye week before Tennessee and, and uh, uh, with Tennessee before that game and, and with Florida before that game. I think Texas A&M or Missouri had a bye before Georgia, maybe both. So, you know, that was like five teams that had the bye before Georgia, and that's not the case this year. Rusty, what was something that stood out to you about the schedule or your kind of first impressions? No Alabama, no Texas A&M, no LSU, and no Ole Miss. I mean, <laughs> if you're drawing up a schedule and, you know, if you're sitting in an office and an SEC office walks in and says, hey, you can pick Georgia's schedule and – any teams you want to play, if you're Kirby Smart, then and, and when you have to look at the West matchups, I mean, you don't play those teams. And I think we would all agree on paper, those are the four teams that are having the most momentum. Obviously, Alabama always, but you look at that schedule, what they've got, even opening with Clemson, uh, I think that, you know, Georgia – I don't know the spread on that Clemson game, the initial, if there's even one out, but Georgia could be favored in every game. And, and that, that could actually be an even a push, you know, for that other game. So this schedule, this is a this is a schedule that sets up well for Georgia. I'm not going to beat around the bush. And, you know, if, if you've got aspirations, which you should at Georgia, to, to be in a national championship deal or to make the playoffs, get to Atlanta, this is a very favorable schedule, in my opinion. No doubt about it. And I uh, want to pose a quick question to both of you guys. I'm going to answer it, too. I'm not going to do like Rusty and set you guys up. Uh, uh, let's say Georgia wins game one. Let's say they squeak out Clemson, you know, 42-40, 42-41, whatever. They beat Clemson. On a scale from one to ten, how disappoint with ten being the most disappointed, Rusty, how disappointing would it be if Georgia starts the season one and zero and doesn't finish the season? Does not finish the season twelve and zero. Um, Jake, it's how di- well how disappointed should it be? You know, like how disappointed should I know it's hard, but with this schedule, how disappointed would you would should fans be? Let me. If let Georgia me, begins one and zero and doesn't finish twelve and zero. We all cover this team in some fashion or form. We all have text messages. We answer for – we all have friends that hit us, I guarantee you, with the same questions. Uh, we don't have to answer the Justin Fields questions anymore. But to me, Georgia football is is at a, um, a, a bridge of one thing, and that's winning in Mercedes-Benz in December. Because if you can win there, you got a chance to do what you need to do. Georgia has got to win that game. I, I think the Clemson game is huge because it's 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 uh you know you recruit against them. It's national powers, the rivalry. You're hour and ten minutes apart. At the end of the day, Jake. Everything I believe is rated on that. 
can Kirby Smart win again in Mercedes Benz in December? And that that that's where Georgia is. I, I think it comes down to that. I mean, he's handled everything that's been thrown his way except the big games in the SEC West. I, I obviously, thoroughly handled Auburn. And I think that played a lot in Gus Malzahn not being there because Gus Malzahn beat Alabama, what, three out of five years. But the Georgia game was just – they just dominated Auburn and have been dominating them. So I, I think it's – you know, the Clemson game's huge. But as a Georgia fan base, you've got to beat that opponent, most likely Alabama, in December in that building. Until they do that, I don't think this fan base is going to be – as you say, happy. I mean, that's where they've got to get to that. You know, they're recruiting through the roof and, you know, I get that question a lot. Can we beat Alabama? What, how far are we behind them? This, that everything that in the Georgia fan base, in my opinion, is, is, is winning that game, whether it's LSU and it was LSU two years ago. Now, you know, it's been Alabama. Can you win that game again in that building? Yeah, I just think if you're able to 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 run through this regular season, go twelve and zero, still get in the playoffs, no matter what ask, happens in the SEC championship game. Let me ask you this: For whatever reason, they play like crap and get beat thirty four to twenty in that opener, and we all know what's going to happen the next five or six weeks. Nothing's going to be good enough. It's going to come back to that. But if they come back and finish the way and get hot and went out, nobody's going to say anything. It goes back to that 017. They got throttled in Knoxville. Got the ever-living breaks beat off of them. I mean, Tennessee beat them down. Embarrassing loss. Matt Stafford on them. They, what, they, they won, what, nine in a row? They were the hottest team in the country. Nobody ever comes back and says they got killed in Knoxville. It's the way Georgia finished. Sugar Bowl throttling Auburn blackout, those types of things. That's the way I see this. This Clemson game's not life or death. That winning in December and that building is life or death to this program and this fan base. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, Kip, are you going to answer my question? Rusty didn't want to – Rusty Rusty hung me out to dry. you going to answer <laughs> <laughs> You know, obviously that, that season opener – it. It's basically the margin of error game for both programs. For Georgia, if they if they win the game, you know it, it kind of does give them a mulligan at least during a regular season. But I mean, maybe they carry that mulligan into the SEC championship game. I mean, again, if 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 they go in, I mean, twelve and zero is tough. I mean, Alabama rarely does it. I mean, when they do it, you know that they have a special special team. But if Georgia does it. I mean, they've kind of punched their ticket, basically. If you go in, I mean, as long as you don't just get, you know, the brakes blown off of you in, in Atlanta in the SC Championship game, it, it's tough to, to not let a one-loss team in the college football playoff. It, I mean, it's, it's it's just really difficult. So, if Georgia wins that game, they, they've given themselves some equity. And I think everyone's obviously going to be looking to that Florida game. But, I mean, I look at Florida – New starting quarterbacks, it's tough in the SEC, whether it's Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson. I think that, you know, the Auburn game really stands out as being one that that we're going to be watching closely. Again, playing in October, or, you know, earlier in the season in Auburn, 
You got Bobo calling the plays now. You got Bo Nix returning at quarterback. You got Tanks Bigsby, uh, you know, a, a defensive mind on staff and Derek Mason as well. I, I think that, you know, could be Georgia's toughest out after Clemson for the season. So, you know, that they if they come out with a win against Clemson, you know, they can feel pretty good about where they're at early on in the season. But right there, you know, getting to that halfway point, they're going to know that they, they really have to strap it in and focus because I, I just think that, that that Auburn game is going to be real important to them just as far as, again, keeping that equity going. Because if, if you lose a game, then that's it. There's no margin error. As Rusty said, you got to win the SEC championship to, to know you're going to get in. You, you know, if, if you going through the regular season undefeated is it's just kind of, I mean, you, you want that. You can expect Georgia to be favored in every game after Clemson, especially if they win. But it's just you can't predict what's going to happen as far as, as injuries, as just as far as overall your roster health. We know that how big that is when guys like Richard LeCount and Jordan Davis aren't aren't able to suit up how big you know that was for Georgia's defense last year. And you know, Georgia has to stay healthy and it's it's not easy in the SEC. You get banged up. It's a physical game in, in that conference, especially. So, you know, as far as going undefeated, I just you you can have that as a, your expectation, but it's just a lot tougher to pull off than, than people imagine. So, beating Clemson just gives you again more to work with, more runway to to work with, and and trying to uh, to to get the college football playoff should be the only real expectation that matters. And like Rusty said. That come that comes in the SEC championship game unless unless they they run the table and go undefeated heading into Atlanta. All right, I ain't gonna do the salsa. All right, Monday before the SEC championship game, if Georgia's not twelve and zero, I think it's like a seven on a scale from one to ten. Disappointing. All right, now that all of that gets completely wiped out if Georgia wins the SEC championship game because Georgia's going to the playoff with a chance to win a national championship. Uh, but but this is a schedule the way it sets up. I just I think it's one Georgia should navigate if they get through game one. All right, that's all we've got for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. We will uh, hopefully be back with you guys a little bit later on, or maybe early next week, maybe sooner than that. We'll see. But that's all we've got today. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs Twenty Four Seven. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place, and you all take it easy. a very bright shining light Sarajevo and they needed to kill that light from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2 U2 they represent a personification of our resistance the Hollywood reporter hails kiss the future moving and inspirational kiss the future viva Sarajevo kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply